Oh man, so good to be here. My name is Andrew Matrona. I'm one of the young adults pastors on staff. Thank you. Thank you. Need that. Um, I met uh, I met Sam tonight, bro. Sam, first time, Sam. Good to have you. Hey, yeah, you can stand, bro. Get up for Sam. Come on, man. Sam, I believe there's a purpose and a reason that you came tonight. I believe the Lord is going to speak to you and do something special. Um, so good to be here with you guys. You know, I, I, I've said this before, as, as one of your pastors, uh, one of my jobs is to, is to pray for you and, and to intercede for you and ask God, what is it that they need to hear? What do I need to move them to? And what I felt really strongly in my heart this week is that there's a lot of weary souls in this place. That there's a lot of people who just seem tired. A lot of people who just seem a little bit weary. And I can even feel it in this room tonight that you want to worship, you want to give all that you have, but there's something about your life right now. There's something internally or externally that is making you feel a little bit weary. And you're sitting in here and you're like, I'm lucky that I just even showed up tonight. But I believe because you showed up, I believe that the Lord wants to show out tonight. And so I'm expecting that. And so I, we're going we're gonna to pray for that, and that's going to happen tonight. Some of you came in here needing some rest in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe that's going to happen, and it's going to happen at the end. So I'm going to need you to stick with me for a moment, so don't get too crazy too quick. But I want to read out of 1 Samuel chapter 1, if you're taking notes tonight. This story is about this, this man and this, his two wives. It's actually about this woman named Hannah. And there's this man and her husband is Elkanah, 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 I'm not really sure. But he has two wives. One wife is able to have children. Another wife, Hannah, is not. And so she is distressed in her heart. There's tension in her soul. And we're going to pick up in this story right here where we find Hannah and Elkanah. It says this. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Penina, I know, Lord, help me with these names tonight, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. It says, this went on year after year. When Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Skip to verse 10. It says, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you would only look on your servant's misery and remember me and, you, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. It says, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth, a priest. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. Hey, in church, come on. And said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put your wine away. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. 
She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Tonight, I wanna talk to you about how the weary soul finds peace and how that peace is available to you. Let me pray, Lord, I thank you just for all that you're doing. God, I thank you that you brought people here. God, that you wanna move in their lives, that you wanna move in their hearts. God, we trust you. We love you. We ask all that's your name. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. Give it up for Bernard. Love you, B. He's a Golden State Warriors fan, unfortunately. Yes, got him. So about uh, nine years ago, uh, I was 14. Just kidding. I was 21. Uh about nine years ago, I, I, was, I, I was shopping at one of my favorite places. See you, bud. Love you. Bye, Abe. Bye, bud. He's like, where's that coming from? I was shopping at one of my favorite stores, TJ Maxx. Hey, balling on a budget. And I went to TJ Maxx, and, you know, there's such random stuff. And, and I, I was looking through all the shirts, and... I came across this, this shirt that said Army on the front of it. And I thought, you know what? I love our men and women in service. Come on, can we give it up for them? The older I get, the more I know you sacrificed and given your life for us. So thank you. You are far more brave than I could ever think or imagine. But I, I come across this shirt that says Army on it. And I go and try it on. I said, I look good in this shirt. What's up? It had that perfect cloth, you know, that just ma makes you look good and makes you feel good. And, and, and so I bought the shirt. And after I bought the shirt, I, I thought to myself, I, I don't really know why I would wear this because I'm not in the Army, but it's such a cool shirt. I like it. Um, but there was this one day, it, it was about a couple months later, I was going to the airport. And I decided that I was going to wear this army shirt to the airport, you know, because back in that time, things were a little bit crazy and people were a little bit unsettled at the airport. And I thought if I wear my army shirt, people might just be a little bit more at peace knowing that a man wearing an army shirt is on their plane. He has a shaved head and army shirt. He might be able to protect us. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fully ashamed of this story, just so you guys know. So I'm wearing this army shirt, and people are, are super kind to me, keep on saying things like, thank you for your service. And, and I'm thinking to myself, dear Lord, what, what have I gotten myself into? This was not my plan for this shirt. I just The shirt's comfortable, and, and I wore this shirt. Well, I'm sitting there waiting for my plane, and the, the lady over the intercom says, okay, uh, first boarding will be to women with children and then any military personnel. So I'm sitting there, and, and this lady, you know, everyone's going up there, and, and this lady comes to me, the flight attendant, and says, sir, military personnel are boarding. And I, I was like, <laughs> she was like, sir, would you like to board? I'm like, she was like, are you, are you not in the military? I was like. So, so people go into, what, what's it called, the jetway, whatever the area is between your ticket and the plane. 
you know, and so, so I'm going there, and I'm standing there, and it's the most awkward thing in the world, right? You're, you're sitting there with, like, ten people, and you're like, where, where are you going? Okay, come on, I care less. You know, you're, you're, you're talking to these people, pretending like you like each other. You're like, just please don't talk to me. And so I'm standing there, and there's about ten of us standing there. No one's saying a word. Someone's just waiting for an awkward silence to break. And this flight attendant looks at me, a new one, and she says, thank you for your service. And I think, oh, my gosh, what what do I do? And, and I didn't respond. And, and she said, are you active duty? And, and I said, no. She said, are you retired? I said, no. And then she looks at me and she says, so you just bought the t-shirt? And I look like an idiot. I kept the shirt, but I've never worn it again. Oh, man, I was thinking about this word, peace. And I think that we all desire peace. Wouldn't you agree? Like, I desire peace. You desire peace. I think many of us desire peace from outside circumstances. We desire peace from internal circumstances that are going on in our heart and going on in our soul, right? Peace is freedom from disturbance, freedom from disturbance, where every single one of us want to feel free from the disturbances of life. Can I get an amen? That we have so many things on the outside and so many things on the inside that are constantly disturbing us, and we want freedom from that. But it's very difficult because we live in a world that says everything but peace, Right, We live in a world that screams panic, and panic is contagious. Have you ever been to Target or Walmart on Black Friday? My favorite part of the whole Thanksgiving holiday is waiting till on Saturday when com- compilations of people at those stores are uploaded to YouTube, and you can watch people destroy each other on the best weekend of the year. But panic is all around us, and panic is contagious. And I've had so many times in my life where regardless of what I'm going through, where I have just laid in bed at night and said, God, I don't care what you do in my life. All I want to do is just feel peaceful. I just want to feel freedom from my disturbances. And I think there's a lot of us in here tonight where we have had many moments, and maybe that's been you last night or all day today, where you've just laid there and said, all I want is a little bit of stinking peace in my life, some freedom from my disturbances. You see, I feel, though, like peace is one of those things that is heavily desired but rarely obtained. It's heavily desired but rarely obtained. You see, I read this article from Forbes magazine, which is a secular magazine written by a secular person, and it was titled this, The Top Eight Things People Desperately Desire But Can't Seem to Obtain. There were things like happiness, confidence, freedom, joy, I desperately would do anything to experience it, but for some reason, no matter what I do, no matter what I bring into my life, no matter who I kick out of my life, I can't seem to gain it, but one of the top ones was peace. That even in our secular world, in our Christian world, people desire peace. And so I I, I read on to the article, and the author of this article ended it this way, and they said, When it comes to peace, 
you don't have to know your purpose to be at peace. You just have to commit to being at peace. Let me say, let me say that again. She said, you don't have to know your purpose to be at peace. You just have to commit to being at peace. You don't have to know your purpose. You just have to work really, really hard at getting peace. You know what? I could not disagree more. You see, knowing your purpose is exactly where you will find your peace. Getting your purpose, finding your purpose, knowing your purpose, knowing why you were created is exactly how you find your peace. Look, your whole purpose in being created, you may just not know yet, your whole purpose in being created is to come into relationship with God. In other words, making peace with God. Like, you were born without a relationship with God, but when you make peace with God, you come into salvation with him. Now his peace rests in you. So that's you fulfilling your purpose when you come into relationship with Jesus, and because of him, now his peace rests in you. John 16, says, And everything I've taught you is so, is so that the peace which is in me will be in you. Come on, the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me, as you rest in me, I give you confidence. As you have confidence, now you have peace. Romans 5.1 says, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. We didn't have it before, but our faith in Jesus now transfers his righteousness to us. And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Anybody feel flawless today? Not many of us. Come on. Right there. Come on, bro. I feel it. It says this means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Your purpose is to know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, you know peace. Listen, the world will base the feeling of peace on circumstances. But understand, in the kingdom of God, peace is not a feeling. Peace is not a circumstance. Peace is not a thing. Peace is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And if you have Jesus with you, you have peace within you. If Jesus is with you, then you have peace within you. But how do I access that? It's a great question. I haven't really fully know, but I've been fighting to know. Maybe you're in here and your soul is tired and weary, and you've been searching for peace. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you've tried everything else. And for the first time, you walked into a church searching for something that the world has just not been able to give you. May tonight be a reminder that peace is not something you have to search for. Peace is something that was already paid for by Jesus Christ. And as we enter into relationship with him, then peace can be within us. The story that I read earlier about Elkanah and Pinina. I actually wrote it. I literally wrote it how, how you're supposed to say it. Pinina, Elkanah. Should have gone to Bible school. Psychology degree. Hey. But the story I read earlier, I, I think, can speak to how a weary soul could find some rest. How a weary soul could find some peace. So, this Elkanah, he has two wives, Penina and Hannah. And Penina is able to have children. She's able to have children. She has children. She's able to have more. Hannah cannot have children. 
So their whole relationship, she has looked at what she does not have. But it says that Elkanah loved Hannah deeply, that he had some kind of compassion and empathy towards her. He loved her so much that when he would go to sacrifice, that he would give a single portion to Penina, and he would give a double portion of blessing to Hannah. Because Hannah's womb was closed, it said that her rival, though, would provoke her. Her rival would make fun of her. Her rival would bully her like a teenage girl. Okay, Her rival would provoke her all the way to the place when they would go to the house of the Lord. Her rival would provoke her until she would not eat and where she would completely weep. I mean, think about Hannah here. She is faced daily with something that she does not have, but she deeply desires. She wants to have children, but for whatever reason, the Lord has closed her womb, but this other woman is a constant daily reminder of what she does not have. You know what's toughest in life? You know what's really tough is to have peace when someone else is enjoying what you want right in front of you. Is it not? Isn't it so difficult to have peace in this life when the things that you deeply want and desire someone has right in front of you? That they have that relationship that you so desperately want? That they have that career that you have needed and have prayed for? That they have the the looks, the smarts, whatever it might be, and it's standing right in front of you. You see, I think so many of us, we are so aware of everything else around us that it eliminates the potential of peace. And let me tell you something. The more aware you are, the more discontent you will be. The more aware we are of everybody else around us and what everybody else has, the more discontent we will be. You wonder why some of you have no peace. It's because you're not content with what you have. And if you had more, you would have more peace in your mind. See, some of you are so aware of everything and everybody else around you that has what you want. And because you don't have it, you can't be grateful for the things that you have. You have lost your ability to have peace in your life. See, sometimes we don't understand God. But many times beyond a painful season lies the purpose of God. But Hannah can't see it because she is so focused on her problem. Right? She's literally in the house of the Lord. But she can't see outside of herself because she's so focused on her problem more than his presence. And in his presence is where peace is located. You see, look, some of you are in here tonight. and, And you are so focused on your external problem. You're so focused on your internal problem that you have lost the ability to have focus on him. And you wonder why you walk in here tonight and you might have a little bit of a moment, but you're going to walk out feeling the same way because you are so tunnel vision on your situation, on your circumstance that you can't see the presence of God. And in the presence of God is peace. And the presence of God is joy. And the presence of God is freedom. For some reason, you can't see it because you're looking all around you and you're looking at the problem in your life. First Samuel, so this is where we find her. It says First Samuel chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. It says, in her deep anguish, deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, And not forget your servant, but give her a son that I will give him to the Lord for all the days of my life. It says, even in her deep anguish, 
weeping bitterly. In all of her misery, she kept showing up. She kept showing up. It says year after year after year, she was provoked, but she kept on showing up. Even in her anguish, even in her misery, even in her bitterness, she continued to show up. Look, there are going to be times in life where you are angry with the Lord, where you are frustrated with the Lord. You are bitter towards the Lord, but can I encourage you to just keep showing up. Keep praying, keep seeking, keep knocking. Be the persistent widow that says, God, I need you, and I'm going to keep showing up until you answer me. She keeps praying. We do the opposite. We avoid God. We run from God. When my circumstances change, then I'll pursue you. But until then, I'm going to be a spectator instead of a participator. You see, I was thinking about it. I was like, why, why on earth does she keep praying? Like, year after year, she, she keeps praying. Why, why on earth would she keep praying? Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. There was no in vitro. There was no doctors. There was nothing. Like, it, 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 it wasn't another man that was going to be able to make her pregnant. It was her issue. It was her problem. So why does she keep praying? And I, and I was thinking about it this week, and I think that she just prayed flat out because she believed that if anything was going to happen, God would be the one who was going to do it. That there was literally nowhere else for her to go. And so surely, if anything's going to happen, then it's going to come from God. And so I'm just going to keep on showing up. See, she had to know deep down inside that God had some kind of compassion over her. Like, if, if you don't believe that God doesn't care about your situation, then you wouldn't keep showing up. But for some reason, she trusted that God had some kind of empathy and compassion and love towards her, so she kept on showing up. And, and, and to fast forward this, the same thing applies for us. So you fast forward a few thousand years later where Jesus Christ comes to this earth, dies for our sins, goes to the cross, right? He raises three days later. If we put our faith in him, we can have new life, new hope, right? Jesus goes to the cross, and then all of a sudden you have this man who a few years later comes onto the scene. His name's Paul, where Paul was literally murdering, murdering Christians, but then has a moment with God and is saved radically. And then he begins to write the New Testament and writes this letter to the church of Philippi, and obviously this church in Philippi was struggling with something. There was panic in their world. There was anxiety in their lives and in their hearts. And so he writes to them what it means to pray to the Lord and why we continue to show up. Why we continue to keep coming to the house of the Lord and knocking and seeking. It says this, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. The world says freak out. The Bible says don't be anxious about any of this, but it says in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God in the what? Peace. Come on. In the what? And the peace of God, which trans all, transcends all understanding, will change your circumstances and give you what you want. Someone's like, amen. No, that's not what it says. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. It will not change your circumstances. It will not give you what you want. It will not change your job. But what it will do is give you a peace that surpasses all understanding to guard your heart 
where everything flows out of. And it guards your mind where your thoughts, your negative thoughts have led to a negative life. Transcends that. Covers that. It seems as though a prerequisite to peace is thanksgiving. A prerequisite to peace is petitioning, is seeking, is knocking, is praying. You know, you know why? It, when we feel anxious and we have external issues and we have internal conflicts, do you know why we pray? Do, do, do we pray so, so God would change things? Maybe. Maybe God might heal you. But, but here's the reality. Is that we pray because prayer realigns our heart with God. It, it realigns our heart with God. See, there are a lot of things on the daily that are pulling your heart in a lot of different directions. Amen. That relationship, that old addiction, that old past, the other sin pattern, whatever it might be. There are a lot of things that are pulling our heart in a lot of different directions. And so when we come to the house of the Lord. Well, the temple lives inside of us, so wherever we go is the house of the Lord, whether in our car or in our room, whatever it might be. Whenever we present our request to the Lord, we pray to him. What it does is it takes all the things that are going on, and it realigns our heart with our Father and our Creator who knows us and knows us best. Try being thankful and angry at the same time. Try being filled with faith but being bitter. Hear me. Sometimes we need to reposture our hearts before God repositions our circumstances. You hear me? God, reposition my circumstance. Reposition my relationship. Reposition my job. Reposition how I look. God, reposition the things in my life. But God's saying, look, I want you to reposture your heart before we talk about repositioning your circumstances. You know, God knows what you want. God knows the desires of your heart. And God wants to give those to you. I believe that he does, but also God knows what you need, and what you need may not be physical change. What you might need is heart change. What you might need is to reposture your heart, because listen to this. This is important. A heart shift, the Bible says guard your heart for everything we do flows from it. Okay, so it's, it's important to guard our heart. A heart shift creates a mind shift, and a mind shift creates a perspective shift. Does that make sense? So, so you're struggling in life. You're frustrated. You're mad. You're angry. You're looking at all the things in your life. As you begin to pray, you begin to reposture your heart. And, and because everything flows from it, it you reposture your, your thoughts. And you begin to have a, a positive thought life that leads to a positive life. And as you begin to speak positive things over your life, then it begins to change your perspective. And you wake up looking at the world a little bit different than you did today. See, when we seek him, it realigns our hearts, therefore realigning us with peace. When, when our mind is shifted, this is what happens. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Posture your heart. Realign your thought life. It'll change your perspective. It says that Hannah prays in her anguish, in bitterness. I love that she was honest with God. Quit playing with God. Quit pretending like he doesn't know. Look, you want intimacy, intimacy with God? You got to be honest with him. Just like your friend that, that you're mad at, right, and you're just going to stay mad at him. You, you don't tell them to, to relieve them. You tell them to relieve your heart. So talking to God in your anger and your bitterness, being honest with him, creates space for you to have intimacy with him. Just a side note. Eli's response to her 
1 Samuel 1.17, he looks at her life, he sees her praying, he realizes she's not drunk. Thanks, Zach. That was, that was a nice little laugh there. GG. 1 Samuel 1.17, he says, look, go in peace. Because of your prayer, because of your petitioning, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Go in peace. And the next verse, it says, she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went on her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. For years, year after year, she had gone to the temple. Walked away with the same result. Frustrations. This time, Eli, this priest, speaks on God's behalf and says, go in peace. And for the first time in years, she walks out with her head held high, not downcast, not depressed, not anxious, saying, I don't really know what's to come, but I, I know who my creator is. I know who holds my hand in their future. <laughs> Look, what, what, what changed for her? Her circumstance, all of a sudden she experiences virgin birth, get pregnant all of a sudden. That's supposed to be funnier. <laughs> I, when I practiced that and said, I was like, they're going to really giggle at that. Give me some space to think what I'm going to say next. circumstance didn't change. Uh, her problem didn't change. She didn't become pregnant. Not, not, nothing happened. But, but what, what changed in her life in this moment? It was her heart. Her heart changed. She began to see the world differently. She walked out with a little bit more boldness, and a little bit more trust, and a little bit more faith. And you know what? She left, she didn't become pregnant. She went home that night, she didn't become pregnant. It says that she woke up the next morning, she still wasn't pregnant. But it says that next morning after she woke up, that she again went to the house of the Lord and she worshipped. Again, still didn't have what it was that she received, but still worshipped. Could tonight you have a moment with Jesus Christ and walk out of this room and nothing changes but still wake up tomorrow morning and still put on some good grace and some hill song and still worship because God's good? Can I tell you something? That even when you're broke, even when you're sick, even when you're tired, that God is good. Even when you're weary, even when you're anxious, that God is still good. See, I think a tough thing for Christians is to not fight to just be a Christian that can function only when things are functioning. Right? For some reason, we operate best as Christians when things are functioning the way that we want them to function. Peace is easy to come by when life is good. Even people who aren't Christians can experience peace in a crazy world when life is good. Connor said this earlier today, but he said the mark of a true Christian is when you have peace when it doesn't make sense. 
The mark of a true Christian, a true follower of Christ in your darkness, in your worst moment of life, you can still have peace when the rest of the world will look at you and say, you are insane. Do you see what just happened in your life? Are you crazy? You should be freaking out right now. You're like, I know I should be. But for some reason, because I have Jesus, now peace is within me. Look, life is not always easy. In this world, you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. The rest of the world, that sentence ends halfway through that. Life is not always good, but God is. Look, if you could try to focus less on where you're going and more on who you're going with, peace will be easier to come by. But you're so focused on where you're going, what's happening, what's next. But some of y'all need to be like, Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) Could you stop focusing so much on where you're going? I get it. You're at a stage in life where you want to know what's happening. You want to know what's happening with your future hubby, your future lady. You want to know what's happening with when school ends. You want to know what's happening with the sick person in your family. You want to know what's happening. You want to know what's going to happen. You may never know. What you can stand on and trust is that God is good. So it's not about where you're going, but it's who you're going with because if Christ is with you, his peace is in you and he will give you great confidence as you begin to rest in him. Hannah felt peace. I'm almost done. But what I love is when Hannah felt no peace, she kept running to the Lord, kept running to the house of the Lord. I I ask you, In these moments where you feel no peace, what house do you run into? What house do you run to? The house of that that old pattern? The house of that substance that gives you a moment where you don't feel anxious? The house of that person that for whatever reason, that that relationship just can can make you feel all the things that you want to feel. But then the second you leave that or the next morning, you just know that you feel more anxious than you did before. Right, what house do you find yourself running to? Look, our world does not give peace as our Lord gives peace. And in his presence is where you find joy and freedom and the thing that it is that you are longing for. Some of you have been running for so long. Could it be possible that what you've been looking for and searching for and desiring is standing right in front of you? Band, you can come on up. You know, it's, it's funny when, when you feel like you need to pray for, or preach about something that, that God kind of makes you go through it. Um, I thought that would change me, but it hasn't. So my, my dad has, has been going through a, a cancer battle. And it, it's just sucked to, to watch. You know, it, I, I've never really had anybody close to me who's gone through cancer, so I don't really understand. Um, but a lot of us know somebody, and it's just been, it's been heavy. Um, watching your dad in moments be in a hospital bed and, you know, losing weight. And, you know, it's, it's just tough. It's, it's overwhelming. It's, it makes you very, very anxious. I, I love my father. We, we don't have a perfect relationship, but we have a great relationship. And um, So he did all this treatment, and, and the cancer uh, had, had gone away. 
which was amazing. Um, but he had another appointment on Monday, and my mom texts me and says, hey, I'm going to your brother and sister's house. Can we call you? And, you know, I, I'm like, yes. Like, what the heck, you know? You know that feeling where you're just like, man, this isn't good. So my mom calls, and my brother and sister, because they're back home in Missouri, and they're, they're hanging out, and they're talking. And, and my dad just kind of jumps right in. He's like, hey, they did another scan, and they found another really large spot on my body. It's melanoma. Um, man, talk about just not knowing, you know? Talk about, like, not understanding what, what God's doing. My dad's a pastor. He's a man of God. He loves the Lord. He hasn't been perfect, but he loves the Lord. And my mom just began to say, Andrew, I'm so weary. I'm so weary. I'm so tired. I'm so so scared. I'm so overwhelmed. And and I just sat there on the car. I just put the phone down. My mom kept saying, Andrew, are you okay? Are you there? And she said, do you have any questions? And And my mom, Starless, she's so strong. She's this five-foot Italian. It'll crush you. Still terrified of her. She's like, I'm weary. But I know where our trust is. I'm overwhelmed. But I trust that God knows. And she was like, I was praying for that. And she's like, as we walked out of the doctor's office, she, she's like, there was this random board on the doctor's office. And I, put it up right here she took a picture and in this doctor's office that's the secular office it says Christ is our hope no matter what he never fails us he never promised life would be easy but he did promise to be with us every step of the way know that you are loved know that you're loved and my family we sat there I was in the Starbucks parking lot and my brother prayed for us, who's also a pastor, and our family just wept on the phone together and pleaded with the Lord. And we thanked the Lord. Lord, thank you for my father. Thank you for the great memories, God. Thank you for all the things, Lord God. We, we trust that on the other side of this, God, that you're going to do some amazing things. God, we trust that you're going to heal him. God, we trust that you're going to put the right doctors in his way, Lord. We trusted the right treatment, the right medications, God. We, we trust it, Lord God. But, but whatever happens, Lord, we, we just trust that you are with us. We put our hope in you. And you know what? Have things changed? No. Will they? Maybe not. But there's this level of peace that is surrounding our family. Just trusting that as long as we're with Christ, there's a peace within us, and we have access to that. Everyone else in this world, their access to peace is whoever will give it to them. Their access to peace is whatever they can find for a moment. But it's just temporary, you know. But we have this everlasting, eternal peace that we have access to. But sometimes it takes you getting up out of your seat takes you stepping out and takes you saying, God, I need you. God, I'm lost. God, I'm broken. God, I'm hurting. But God, I trust you. I, I, I just wanted to, to throw out some, some passages to you. Psalm 29, 11 says, the Lord will give you strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. 
2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. Number 6.24, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. John 16.33, I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, I've conquered the world. John 14, 27, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Where do you find yourself tonight? We all got our junk. Ain't no one perfect in here. Where do you find yourself? Do you need the peace? of Jesus Christ in your life. Maybe you don't know God. Could tonight be your moment? Maybe you haven't known God for a while. You've been running. Could tonight be your moment where you come back to him? Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, for all that you're doing. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for um, your joy. God, I thank you for uh, your wisdom for our lives. God, I thank you, God, that we have access to this. God, I thank you that Jesus Christ went to the cross for us that we could experience this new life, Lord. If Jesus didn't go to the cross and die, be raised from the dead, then all this is in vain, Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask two questions. You're here tonight. Number one, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've been searching for peace in all the wrong places. And all those places have done has left you feeling more anxious, more overwhelmed, more lost, more broken. You find yourself in that place. But you say, tonight, I walked into this room and I felt something I've never felt before. And I want to accept Jesus Christ because I want the peace that comes with the relationship with him. You're in here. You don't have a relationship with God. Could you slip up your hand for me so I can pray for you? That's something that you want, that you desire. Praise God. Praise Jesus. I see you. Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. If that was you, just in your own words, begin to talk to God, maybe for the first time. You don't have to articulate perfect. Just tell him, God, I'm a sinner. God, I'm, I'm lost. God, I need you. You've always belonged. Now you just got to believe. You'll figure out the, the rest later. Begin to talk to him for the first time. Second question is this. You are a believer. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Your salvation is secure. You are going to heaven. You are going to enjoy eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. But right now, you are living a life that is far from the fulfillment and satisfaction that God has placed before you. And you're sitting here tonight, and you desire that, but you have been going to all the wrong things. You have not been accessing the thing that Jesus Christ died for you for. You're here tonight, and you say, I want to pursue that peace again tonight. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? Christian here all over the place. Come on. Amen, 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 amen. Come on. Yes. You put your hands down. Lord God, we love you. We trust you. God, cause your face to shine upon us. Lord, give us your peace. And everybody said, Amen. Young adults, let's stand, let's worship.